would please turn in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. We're looking at the first five verses. Please follow in the reading of the Word of God. Jesus summoned his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now the name of the twelve apostles are these. The first is Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans. Father, please show us that you use very common people with common personality flaws and common personalities and uncommon ideas. And yet, Father, it is through your provision, through your power, that you take the earthen vessel, pour a precious treasure inside, and allow them to be a part of building of the kingdom, eternal King of kings and Lord of lords, even here. Father, as Jesus said we should pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us, Lord, to see that it isn't by our place in society, it isn't by our place in education or who we know or who we are even related to, but it is the humble heart that sees you as King of kings, Son of God. Christ's name, amen. Well, we're about done. We looked last week at Simon the Zealot, and I showed you what a zealot was. For all intents and purposes, if I were to give it a title, a definition today, I would call it a political terrorist because the zealots were wanting to put fear into the Roman government that they would give up Israel. And then in 70 A.D., um, they destroyed Jerusalem so sufficiently There was no need for a Roman garrison in Israel anymore. That is called a triumph. They would have opened the streets of Rome and the general would have marched the prisoners in front. Well, they would have the priests and the offerings would be first. Then the prisoners, those that survived, would be second. Then the soldiers and then the general. And they literally would close the the town of the city of Rome for this celebration because it was that the victory was so absolute that uh, we didn't even need to leave a police force there. And uh, uh, there was a few of those in Roman history, not very many, but a few. And Israel was one of those. The zealots actually grew out of the time of the Greek oppression of Israel. Uh, That's when Titus Vespasian took a pig into the temple, went into the Holy of Holies, slaughtered the pig, and made the priest eat it before he burned the temple down. So they sort of had a, a sour spot with the Greeks, to say the least. But that's the kind of stuff that was in the heart of Simon the Zealot. We saw Thaddeus and James, the son of Alphaeus. It's possible that James, the son of Alphaeus, was actually Matthew, the tax collector's brother. 
that's a distinct possibility. You can't be sure, but there are things that would point to us. We saw that Thaddeus was young, possibly, and yet uh, he was beloved of the Lord. And how can we do these things? Bartholomew and Philip both were students of Scripture. We see their calling. When Philip found Messiah, he immediately went to Bartholomew, some will call him Nathan, Nathaniel, and went and got him and says, found it. And it's amazing because they were looking. It's, uh, you know, one of the things that I've noted about the church here recently, we're not looking for the return of Christ. We're kind of, we're kind of doing our thing. Um, then we have two more sets of brothers. Peter and Andrew, James and John. We know a lot about both of those. We see these people. We know these people. We can see their personalities. We can understand Thomas's zeal to be near the Lord at all times. Um, now we come to the 12th. To the 12th. I've read some things, different places, uh, Philip Keller, some other commentaries and things. Philip Keller, if you haven't read him, was a shepherd. He's got a shepherd's, a, a good book is the Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. And it's a, it's a phenomenal read if you can find it. I think it's still in print. Uh, but, uh, but he's got some other things there. And, and I remember him one time talking about when they were taking sheep to slaughter. Okay, uh, get ready to you know get buckets of lamb chops. How do you get the sheep to do it? And they had an ingenious way. What they would do is castrate a ram. Okay, and they would use that ram to lead the sheep into the slaughterhouse. They've got a name for that ram. You know what it is? The Judas sheep. Okay, because the females will follow the male and they would take that ram who has been castrated and was good for nothing. He's either going to get eaten or he's going to do this and he would do this. There is a town in Judah. Judah is a southern uh, where the southern tribe was. Keroth. Keroth is the name of the town. Keroth produced the single most hated individual on the planet ever. Okay. In Matthew's gospel here in chapter 10, this is the first time this person is mentioned. And you know what? We don't really know anything about his calling. We know that Matthew was at a tax booth. John and Peter and their brothers were fishermen. We know kind of, you know, I, I can show you Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas. But we don't know when nor where Judas was called. But we do know this. Jesus called him. Jesus called him. But you know something that we overlook sometimes? Verse 1 of chapter 10. 
We don't kind of pay attention to that verse. Look what it says. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. You know what that means? Judas was empowered as the other 11. He had the ability to minister in miraculous ways. But, you know, I look around today and if someone is called a Judas, it is not a term of endearment. Right? It, it just it's just not. And if think about that for a second. Here's a name, a single name that is despised. That is despised. James, son of Alphaeus, is actually Judas, the son of Alphaeus. But see, that name is decided. I don't want to be confused with that one. But if you go through history, at the time of Christ, Judas was a very common name. Extremely common. It's literally the Greek form of the word Judah. And yet our Lord was the lion of the tribe of Judah. It says there, Judas Iscariot. Iscariot means this, man from the town of Keroth. Man from the town of Keroth. How would you like to be known as the city where Judas was born and raised? And yet, think about the bitterness that is towards that name. I am asked a common question. I've asked it myself a time or two. Why would Jesus select such a man to be his disciple? I mean, he knew Nathaniel was underneath the tree. Studying the scriptures, seeking. And he wasn't there, but he knew it. So it ain't like Jesus is sort of like, oh, surprise. Why would he choose such a man? Didn't Jesus know how this was going to work out? There are those who teach open theism and they'll use this, this. As the foundation for open theism. Okay. What is open theism? Open theism says that God learns as we respond. Okay. So God's always in the process of learning new nuances about his creation. Okay. Now. That's heresy. Okay. But they will use this that. See. He chose Judas. And he should have known better. And he learned. He learned. Well, let me explain it as simple as I can. Why? 
Did he choose Judas? Why was Judas chose? Well, I can tell you this for a fact. Jesus did choose him. Jesus did choose him. And he tells us why. In John's gospel, chapter 17, this is Jesus' high priestly prayer. He has just gone through what is called the upper room discourse. And he's explained the upcoming events, what's going to happen, why it's going to happen. But don't worry about it. I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit. He's going to rock and roll your universe. That's not what Jesus said. But he's going to take care of everything. And he's explaining what is happening. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 12. While I was with them, this is Jesus praying to the Father. I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition. Why? So that scriptures would be fulfilled. Psalm 41 verse 9. That for 30 pieces of silver, Messiah would be betrayed by a friend. So that scripture would be filled. Which leads us to the next thought. Well, Guys, you got to kind of feel sorry for Judas then, don't you? I mean, darn. He was just misguided. He couldn't control that. I mean, if if he was born so that Scripture could be fulfilled. See, that's what we normally go at with this. Let me explain something to you. Judas did... What he did by choice. You know, I I hear people talk about free will and I kind of snicker because there's no such animal. Okay. You've got two options. Slave to sin. Slave to righteousness. Okay. Those are your two options. Fulfill the flesh or walk in the spirit. All right. But I want you to understand something. Every one of our lives, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. It's nothing but a bunch of decisions. That's all you do all day long. Make decisions. You make Choices. Okay? All day long. All day long. That's it. What what socks am I going to wear? Am I going to wear socks? What shoes am I going to wear? Am I going to wear shoes? What pants am I going to wear? But do you see what I'm trying to get at? That's all we do. Then what time do I have to leave to be at at work on time or whatever it is you got to do. What am I going to eat for breakfast? When am I going to eat breakfast? When am I going to eat lunch? That's all you're doing all day long is making decisions. All right. But it's not free will. 
You're either following your flesh or you're following the Spirit. Okay? And I don't care how mundane you think the decision is. I uh, got this motorcycle I've been working on. And it's a, it's an old one. So it's, it's it's got what they call an offset cog starter. Starter's down here. It's got this goofy-looking gear. And then it runs over. And there's a, an arm that at the RPM it slides across. And it spins the flywheel on the primary. And that's it's how you start it. Okay? I've had it apart like four times. I'm getting good at it. But it is truly... Truly testing my sanctification. Okay? So the other day I got it and I spun it. It started up and then I could hear that shaft kick out. And it starts rattling on that flywheel. And it, it makes a horrible noise. It's a whoop, 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 whoop. You're like, oh, shut it off. So I'm sitting there going, you know, I've put this thing in here and it keeps jumping out of here. What the heck is the deal? So I'll pull it apart again, pull the shaft out of there, and I'm sitting there looking at it, thinking, now, if I had a lighter, I could just set this sucker on fire and be done with it. You know what I did? Something so silly. I got a lighter, no. (laughs) That sucker did burn. I said, Lord... Can you help me with this? So I pulled that inverted gear thing off again. And as soon as I pulled it off, uh, I'm sitting there looking at it thinking, man, what is up with this thing? I said, Lord, this is baffling to me. So I took a little flashlight and I set it on there. And just where that shaft sits into the housing, God showed me there was a crack in the housing. And that allowed that to move just enough that it kicked that shaft out of there. And I just, you know what was bizarre on the bench right behind me was one of them offset housings that I had found. And I didn't know what I was, I just, I, I, I can use that somewhere. And God said, it's going over there, stupid. Okay. But it's like I said, the fourth time I put this thing back together. Ta-da! <laughs> All right. And the whole time God said, you put the part behind you. Turn around. It's behind you. Okay, but I chose to perfect the art of pulling this starter apart. I can pull that starter out of there with my eyes shut. Okay, why? How many times have you walked into something because you know exactly how to fix it, and by the time you get done with it, it is a blooming mess? I look at the man Judas, who over and over and over and over again, Jesus, by his grace, gave him chances to repent. Jesus gave him miraculous powers. And he chose to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Judas, to coin the great philosopher Sinatra, did it his way. Okay? 
How many times have you done it your way? And how many times have you done it for cheaper than 30 pieces of silver? One man sold his entire birthright for a bowl of soup. Because of his refusal to come and understand who Jesus truly was, he was finally used by Satan with the plan to destroy Jesus with the idea of stopping God's plan of salvation. That was the plan. Kill the Savior. Salvation's done. There will no longer be one. You know what? The attempt failed. You can back away from that thing and think about this for a second. God used even Judas to accomplish his purpose. Now grab a hold of that for a second. You can look throughout human history and see where evilness of man following the schemes of the father of lies were used to fulfill God's purposes. Let me give you an illustration. When you think about World War I, who started that? You ever thought about that? Most people think, well, it was the Germans, the Austrians. No, you know who it was? The Ottomans. The who? The Ottomans. You know who those were? Muslim Turks. Wow. We're in 2016. That was 1917. We've made progress. When you go look at the fact that there's an Iraq, an Iran, a Syria, a Lebanon, at the time Palestine, do you know where that came from? World War One. World War One set those boundaries up, and then people have been furious about it ever since. Because a bunch of Christians did that. Do you see God's plan working in there anywhere? I do. 1948. Israel said enough's enough. We're going to have our own country. And we don't care whether you recognize us or not. Guess what? Poof. There they are again. From 70 A.D. to 1948, there's no such place. John Calvin wrote commentaries on the, uh, the Bible, the entire Bible, except for one book, Revelations. You know why? He read Revelation, says this is dealing with Israel, there ain't no such place. So he didn't write on Revelations. Why? That's all Israel. I know, everybody says it's the end of the world. It's Israel. Go look at that book. And it's all about Israel. All right? 
And yet I can show you throughout history where we will take these awful situations and we look at it and think, how in the world can this ever be? I was at Columbine the day of the shooting. I thought, how in the world is God glorified in that? It took him three days, whole three days, to show me he was glorified in that. Please, people. He used Judas to accomplish his purpose. Look throughout history of man. You see things that you're like, well, that don't make any sense at all. But if you look down the track on it a ways, well, look. There are people who are in our lives right now who wish to do us harm. Okay? And they do weird things. They talk about us. They bring false accusations about us. They do all of these weird things. Trying to what? Make you not succeed. If you've been in the workforce, you know that there are people that you can work with who, for whatever reason, don't want you to succeed. Some of them are very subtle. Some of them aren't. You think about Jesus being betrayed by one of his 12 disciples, not only just one, one who controlled the money. He was the treasurer of this group. And yet Jesus used that very individual to bring about his purpose. There are people in our lives that seem to do nothing but bring us trouble. I see us at times when we feel like we don't succeed. I didn't accomplish anything. That was a waste of time. Anybody has done something so that was a waste of time? Really? So you fooled God. See, God thought she was going to be over here doing this. And what are you doing over there? There's no such thing. So I would like for you to look at Judas and not be troubled. But also you like you look at Judas and not be discouraged. It's all going to be for his purpose. What is his plan? Now, sometimes he lays his plan out in front of us and it's just as plain as an open door. There's other times, it's like that song, and the psalmist says, it's a lamp unto my feet. Okay? Now, I hate to break the news to you, but a lamp that is lighting up my feet is not really helping me with my travel. Right? It is lighting up my feet. How many of you prefer to say, well, I would like to see what's a quarter mile ahead of me? Just think if your headlights were that way. They light up your front bumper. So you could see at the point of impact. But yet we go through our lives thinking, well, you know, I, I don't understand. No, you don't understand. And you know what I've learned? Probably 11 out of 10 times, I would prefer not to understand. 
Because I think it might freak you out if you did understand. <laughs> yeah, we'll all be running in reverse. I look at these 12 guys and they are all a part of God's plan. Yet you look at them and you think, man, what an odd group. We all like those who are in our lives that encourage us. Let me ask you a question. If someone points out a problem that you have, does that encourage you? How's come it doesn't encourage you? Because sometimes we can't see past our own counsel. And then sometimes we can see past our own counsel as long as your counsel agrees with mine. That's good counsel. Why? Because that's exactly what I was thinking. Why is that? Because, see, God has a sovereign plan. I look at these 12 guys and they are part of God's plan. Even when I can read some of them be encouraged. I mean, I'm encouraged by the fact that you've got a tax collector who is considered a traitor to Israel and a political assassin who hates Rome. And yet they minister together. That's truly amazing to me. You got two Bible scholars. And they still, they all, you know what is amazing about all 12 of these guys? They all have the same idea that Judas has. Jesus is going to put up an earthly kingdom and defeat the Romans. Even when he told them he wasn't. Go read 13 through 16 of John. It is as clear as anything you're going to read about, dudes, it is about to take a turn for the worst. But don't worry, this is the plan. See how we are the same way? We want to know the plan. We're all going to heaven. We're all just going to step out of here like Enoch. He was and then he wasn't. It's no big deal. Here I come. Really? What do you do with the one that says, in this life you will have Tribulation. What do you do with the one that says the world hated me first? Guess what? They're going to hate you. What do you do with the one that says God opposes, opposes the proud? Listen, those people who cause you trials and tribulations in your life. Why would you not reach out to them the way Jesus reached out to Judas? I had a guy who kept taunting me for a long time um, uh, on creation. And, and, and he has all the same stupid hypotheticals that don't exist. And then all of a sudden, I, and I told him, I said, no, man, I said, you can't scientifically prove an old earth. It's, it's impossible. Oh, no, you don't understand. I said, so you're going to be an expert on dirt. Let's deal with living things. 
Okay, because living things I can trace a little quicker than dirt. And over, it's been a few years now, he finally is like, you know what, you've got some valid points. So, uh, but he was an antagonist. And it, I mean, just little sarcastic, snide remarks. He'd just throw in and out here, here or there. But you know what? He couldn't bring me no facts because there isn't any. There's no scientific proof for evolution. Okay? There is a lot of scientific proof for a young earth. Okay, but if you've made up your mind because you don't want there to be God, because God's going to judge me if there is one. Well, then I'll just act like there ain't no God, which if you really think about it, that's the height of brilliance, isn't it? I mean, that's right up there with the it's like playing Russian roulette with an automatic pistol. Okay, do you see what I mean? This is the kind of stuff that is out there. There are people, how's come that are antagonistic to us? How's come we're afraid of them? How's come we don't want their troubles? When Jesus continually day in and day out reached out to Judas, knowing that he was going to fulfill scriptures. Listen, brothers and sisters, if we would take that mindset and reach out to our enemies the same way that Jesus reached out to Judas... You know how awesome it would be to watch what the Lord does? Brothers and sisters, look around. There's plenty of antagonists in this community to the things of Jesus Christ. And the thing that I, I think that we miss sometimes, we dislike sin, but we hate the sinner. And it should be the other way around. You should hate the sin. I, I, I was reading a little article, and I'll close with this. The thing that happens with people who do not know Christ, okay, they may be uh, antagonistic. They may be bitter. They can affect so many different ways our lives, okay? But have you ever thought about it from this perspective? What is a prisoner supposed to do? They're prisoners. I mean, you forget. You used to be a prisoner to the lie. They still are. They still are. They can't help it. They're prisoners. You can't bust them out. Did you know that? I mean, it's, it's almost like I, I see someone who's in bondage to sin. If I could just sneak a file in a cake, they could cut the bars and be freed. But they can't. It's one of the amazing things about salvation that you better remember yourselves. Nobody gave you a file and you cut your way to freedom. Okay. God invaded your life and you were set free.
you were a slave on the selling stand to hell. And Jesus stepped in and says, I'm buying that one. You had nothing to do. You were just standing there. Don't forget that. Judas had many choices. And he chose wrong. I'm going to show you why next week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that, yes, it is all for your purpose. Even the smallest detail. Father, thank you. Thank you that you can show us 12 very ordinary people that you'd use to do extraordinary things that are still bearing fruit this day. We read about Punjab. We read about Tedeman. Father, we, I see the American flag flying in Belarus. <laughs> Father, you're amazing. You are truly, truly amazing. Father, we love you. and thank you so much for what you're doing. Father, I pray that uh, your word, moment by moment, will encourage us. To you, my King, in Christ's name, amen.